I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation. And Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews. We're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now, with the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. It is time again for Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast covering your Las Vegas Raiders. If you don't already subscribe to the show, please do us a favor and wherever you get your audio, go ahead, subscribe, put on the auto download so you never miss an episode. We appreciate you being with us here. I am Scott Cobranson, your host. My co-host is Mr. Mo Moten. He is a national NFL writer over at Bleacher Report. Also Raiders columnist, which we'll get into today at sportsnot.com. And uh, this is the Thursday edition. Just a real quick rundown of the show today. What we got on tap. We have the Car Wars return. We'll talk about that. Uh, but first, we'll talk about Josh Jacobs again. Yes, all the drama that's fit for the shield is back. So we'll talk about that. Segment two, we're going to talk about Mo's column up on Sports Not Right Now about three Raiders veterans who might be on the hot seat. They got something to prove. Uh, and we actually talked about all three of them before on the last show, but I'll let Mo frame that for you. And then in the final segment, we will get to our Raider Nation mailbag. Okay, Mo, let's jump into the first subject of today's show, which is Josh Jacobs. We know that um, we saw Tom Pelissero was on the NFL Network, talked about Josh Jacobs and the fact that he could miss the start of training camp if a long-term deal isn't reached Of course, they have a couple more weeks to do that, so all is not lost. If you're worried about Josh Jacobs, they have until the 15th or 17th. I think it's like that. But um, for those of you watching us on YouTube, I'm just showing a story here from Tyler Sullivan talks about it. But Pelissaro said, hey, the one running back situation that nobody's talking about is Josh Jacobs. At this point, if there's not a long-term deal, I don't anticipate Josh Jacobs being there at the start of training camp. And I don't even know if he shows up for week one. So that's Pelissaro, who, of course, is uh, NFL Network insider. So he gets some inside skinny from people in the organization and agents and all that jazz. But, but Mo, um, we've talked about this. You talked about this. The, the realistic possibility that Josh Jacobs is not there for training camp, uh, I think we're starting to see. We've seen the cryptic tweets. We've heard sort of what he's said uh, that way, at least. Uh, this is probably a negotiating tactic, but he's taking 
the kind of strong arm piece of this thing here, right? So what do you think about what's going to happen here? Well, clearly Tom Pelissero doesn't listen to our show because we've been <laughs> talking about it <laughs> almost at the top of or at, at some point in every one of our shows, we've talked about Josh Jacobs and the possibility of him holding out or holding in, as I called it, holding in would be showing up to camp and not participating in team activities or drills as some players did last offseason, last few offseasons players have done. And that's to avoid the fines. So just to clarify what holding in is, players reporting to training camp to avoid the fine of not showing up, mm -hmm. but protesting their current contract situation by not participating. I think that's the route that Josh Jacobs takes. Now, I, the holdout thing doesn't surprise me when he said he may not even show up for week one. This will remind people of the Le'Veon Bell situation with the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2018, I believe it was. I don't actually think Josh Jacobs takes that far where he misses an entire season, but I think it's a real possibility that if the, a deal isn't reached by July 17th, that there is going to have a situation where they could have they they could not have Josh Jacobs for the entire summer, but I think he'll he'll eventually come in, or I, I shouldn't say come around, but I eventually I think he'll eventually rejoin the team because. Right now, running backs aren't aren't a tough spot. They're not getting mm -hmm. paid. The highest paid running back this offseason for Frazier was Miles Sanders. He's making under six point five million a year. So yeah. unless unless Dalvin Cook signs a significant deal now, there was a report that came out yesterday that Dalvin Cook has multiple offers on the table and he will sign a significant deal. If Dalvin Cook signs a deal that's more than the franchise tag, that's Josh Jacobs' best hope to get a bigger contract out of the Raiders or to get some leverage. Or if Saquon Barkley signs a contract with the Giants, that's very lucrative because their reports are that the Giants have resumed talks with Saquon Barkley on a new deal. So those are two good pieces of news for Josh Jacobs if he wants a, a big contract. It's interesting, though, Mo, because I think if you look at this situation and you look at the fact that, um, to your point, the dominoes have to fall, so to speak, right, for – Josh Jacobs, the dominoes have to fall um, for for him, especially when it comes to these other running backs, because you talked about the market and what's happening there. And so for me, I look at it this way. Again, I think when you're having a fan conversation, fans, you know, pay the guy, pay the guy, he's worth it, he's best running back in the NFL. And we've talked about ad nauseum, so I'm not going to go back over it. If you haven't listened to the show before, I invite you to go back and listen to some of the episodes about Josh Jacobs. But what I've said is it's a business. We've all talked about it being a business. It's, 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 it's relevant to the conversation. So if you look at Josh Jacobs and you think about what, what he's done and what he deserves, quote-unquote deserves, it goes by the running back market. The running back market is not great. So by waiting for those deals to fall, he's got to hope that those deals fall with Barkley and fall with Dalvin Cook to be able to uh, to kind of capitalize and make the market. So so if he if he does wait, as you say, for Cook and Barkley, and those numbers are great, good for Josh Jacobs. But I wonder, Mo, if you think about it, despite those deals, even if those deals happen, do the Raiders pay him? I mean, do the Raiders? Do you think the way this is being handled? You know, last year they talked about how they loved everybody, and then two of those guys, uh, Derek Carr. And Darren Waller are gone. So this 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 regime, you don't necessarily know how much they think of Josh Jacobs. Obviously, he's a player. He's a great player. He he produced for them last year. But what are the chances that the market is set by one of those guys and the Raiders still don't give him a bigger deal? That's a possibility based on the way Josh McDaniels has handled the running back position with New England. But what I will say is I'll reiterate what I said in the piece 
a couple of weeks ago that for Jimmy Garoppolo as your quarterback, Josh Jacobs is even more important because yes. there's a possibility yes. that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to miss a few weeks during the season. And you're going to have to really depend on the run game for that offense to to uh, work like a world oil machine. So even with Jimmy Garoppolo on the field, I've, I've said that Jimmy Garoppolo has, has only been successful with a top five, top ten rushing attack. So I think right. Josh Jacobs is just as important to the Rays offense as nearly as important to Rays offense as Saquon Barkley is to the Giants and as, as um, Derrick Henry is to the Titans. Maybe to a lesser extent because you have Devontae Adams there, you have Jacoby Myers there who understands the system. But as far as being a part of that offense and being the engine of that offense for, for multiple weeks of the season, I, I think the Rays will have to lean on him unless they're ready to unleash Samir White, Britton Brown, Brandon Bolden, who's like 33 years old. <laughs> I, I, I see them having to work out maybe a middle ground with, with Josh Jacobs if they want a competitive football team in 2023. Because if they if he's not there, if he's missing from that offense, that rushing attack isn't going to be what it should be. Right. which means that they're going to be more defenders playing on their heels and clogging up the passing lanes with Devonta Adams and Jacoby Myers and making it hard for Jimmy Garoppolo in the passing game. So if Josh, if Josh Jacobs isn't on the field week one, as Tom Perilson said, could happen, prepare for a Rocky Raiders offense, uh, season on offense because it's not going to look the same. It's not going to look anything remotely close to last year. And you and I talked about on Tuesday's show the fact that we thought Zamir White was going to get a much more uh, even load this year. He didn't get, you know, most carries he had in the game last year was three. So we know we're going to see more of Zamir White. But there's a big difference in working him more in to produce some balance for Josh Jacobs than there is to say, okay, dude, you're the guy. We got to count on you to carry this team uh, at the running back position when you've only played one year and it was sparingly. I mean, to me... That would be the death nail for this offense. And again, I, I've, I've advocated, as you have, and we've talked about on the show many times. I just mentioned it a minute ago. It's a business. You're not going to overpay for the running back. But if those two running backs you mentioned get a $14, 13000000 million contract, well, then Josh Jacobs, that's what he's worth. That's what you got to pay him. And I don't see the Raiders uh, moving away from that. If they do, boy, it, you talk about another optics boo-boo for this 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 franchise if they were to do that um i think it would be terrible for raider nation i think raider nation already with some drama with the garoppolo signing and some of the other things that happened uh definitely would not not warm to this coach anymore or the gm if josh jacobs has just said hey sorry play on the tag we're not paying you here are two scenarios that i think could have fold within the next few weeks Dalvin Cook signs for a contract that's close to the franchise tag, around $10 million, you know, give or take one or two million under or over that amount, $10.1 million. And Saquon Barkley signs, re-signs with the Giants for about $14 million when it's all said and done, because that's the number that's being thrown out. That the Giants are trying to that the Giants are, are have an offer on the table that's around $14 million with incentives. So let's say that happens and the Raiders say, okay, Dalvin Cook is at around is it around 10, is it around 10? Saquon Barkley is around 14. Josh Jacobs will offer you 13, 14 million, and we'll see what he says. And then I think it's more likely that a deal comes to place between the Raiders and Josh Jacobs if that's the scenario that plays out. So Quan yeah. Barkley at about 14 and Dalvin Cook at about 10. Now, if if Dalvin Cook is well below 10 and Saquon Barkley doesn't sign well or signs a deal that's less than 14 million, let's say he he signs for a deal that's 12 million, let's say mm -hmm. that with incentives. Then I think Josh Jacobs is winds up reporting to camp and playing on the franchise tag. It says, "Look, he probably says, look, right. I'm not. I want 
13, 14 million. I'm going to bet on myself. I'm going to have another big year and I'm going to test for agency in 2024 and get that big paycheck. We'll see what happens. That's a gamble because the running back position, we may, it may not turn back where they're, they're making a lot of money again. It may be right. the same issue. The same issue they face this year may be the same issue they face next off season. Right. So I, I, but I do think it does matter what happens with Dalvin cook and Saquon Barkley. The difference is right now that there's good news for Dalvin cook being that the reports are that he could sign a significant contract. There's good news for Saquon Barkley. There's reports that the Giants and Saquon Barkley are at least talking, communicating talking, yeah. about a new deal right. negotiations. And with Josh Jacobs, you're not hearing anything but cryptic tweets from him. So <laughs> that's that's not a good sign for the Raiders and Josh Jacobs and their negotiations. But there's still you know about three weeks left for them to come to a deal. But I will say yeah. it does matter. A lot of people want to say, well, Josh Jacobs is a rushing champion. Why should it matter what the other two guys do? You have to understand with the running back market team, as you said, the teams are going to follow the market. Correct. So top tier, if other top tier running backs are getting paid, it gives Josh Jacobs some leverage to say, hey, other top tier guys are getting paid. You got to pay me more because I am the rushing champion. Now, if top tier guys aren't getting paid 10, 10 plus million or, or 14 plus million. Then the Reds can say, look, Dalvin Cook is a four time pro bowler. You know, Saquon Barkley was was the best player, clearly the best player on the Giants offense. And they're not getting 14 million. Right. Josh, you could say Josh Jacobs is the most important player of the offense, but they also have Devontae Adams the Raiders do. They signed Jacoby Myers. They still have Hunter Renfro for now. They drafted Michael Mayer. They have other offensive weapons. Correct. So if a team that is heavily reliant on Saquon Barkley is not willing to give him 14 million, then the Raiders are probably not going to give Josh Jacobs 14 million. Good point. And I think that you look at this situation, and clearly this is the time of the year, and Pelissaro, great, great reporter, great insider, uh, but this is the time of the year where agents play a lot of games, right? And so to me, this is an agent play story because the agent's basically saying to the Raiders, and he may have said this to the Raiders directly too, which is like, hey, we don't get a deal, we're not coming in, right? That's just the way it's going to be. Uh-huh. And, but the Raiders don't have to move. See, that's the point to your – and I think I think Saquon Barkley and the Giants an interesting situation. The Cook signing to me is the number one because he's a free agent, right? So he's a free agent. These other two guys, the, the teams have the upper hand. Now, Barkley has a little bit more of a – I think a, obviously a, a longer bit of a resume and some accomplishments what he's done in New York, not to take anything away from Josh Jacobs in the special year he had last year. But to me, the Raiders are going to sit back. They're going to sit and wait for them. They're not going to set the market. They're going to wait for one of those teams mm-hmm. to move. Uh, or in this case, it could be four or five teams because we don't know who Cook is being uh, courted by. So so that's why the Raiders, you know, when when fans say, pay the guy now, it's like you can't. You, it would be stupid to do that because you might give Josh Jacobs a good deal. You might give him a $12.5 million deal, right, if that's where the market's mm-hmm. set. And that's great. Everybody feels good about it, walks away. But if you go give him a $14 million deal and Dalvin Cooks signs for nine, <laughs> right? That's that's a fireable offense, in my view. Mm-hmm. So so I think everybody's gonna be and I agree with you. I think it could get a little protracted into camp um if, if he doesn't sign and then you have to start to think about it. But you're right, you know, he's not going to sign a long-term deal for twelve million dollars if somebody else is making thirteen. Uh, or if the, the market's lower, because why give up the money? Why sign a long-term contract for $2 million more than you're going to earn this year when you might be able to score on it next year, depending what happens. So it'll be interesting. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. 
This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right. Second news item of three here in this opening segment is is one Uh, that uh everybody loves to talk about. And we, Mo, you said it. And I keep saying this. This was a most redomous moment. That when the Derek Carr situation ended for the Raiders, that it would not go away. It's like a bad rash. It just it does. You, <laughs> you know, you put that you put that steroid cream on. It doesn't go away. It just keeps coming back. So Derek Carr uh, at a charity event for the Valley Hospitals, which he does an amazing work for in Fresno, California, his hometown. So kudos to Derek Carr for all he does there for kids in the Valley. Um, is at a charity event. Anthony Galvez of, of the, the Fresno Bee who covers the Raiders and is in Las Vegas all the time uh, is there. And, of course, the conversation of how the time ends up in Vegas comes up. And I want to pick this apart a little bit. We'll get to his wife crying in a second. But I'm, I'm interested in this because everybody, if you've ever had a job and been laid off, fired, or, or you left because things weren't going well, um, Everybody's got feelings and kind of emotions around their former employer, especially if there was any contention there. So you understand that. But I want to read some of this, Mo, and get your reaction. Uh, and they asked him about you know the fact that he got benched and he couldn't play his final two games. Uh, and he said he was very upset. I was mad. Then he said, you spend nine years in a place, you have all the records, and you can play at a high level, and for something to get in the way, whether it was whatever reason, money, related or whatever, injury related, I would have said, I don't even want the money. I just want to play two more times in front of our fans. I didn't get that opportunity. So it definitely lit a fire inside me to keep going. This is interesting because I look at this and this is, this is, you know, this is, uh, I think textbook Derek Carr. I don't, there's nothing that he's saying here that is really new, but it does offer some insight. And some of you will like this take and some of you will not. But he talks about spending nine years in a place, absolutely loyal guy, was Raiders to the bone. You have all the records and play at a high level. Now, records are individual records, is what he's speaking about, right? I mean, that they didn't win playoff games. They didn't win many seasons. They didn't have winning seasons. So he's talking about that. And then he kind of tries to talk about why it went south. And then he wanted to play two times in front of the fans. And of course, we heard Mo from a lot of fans who said the same thing. Let him play it out. Let him play it out. But the NFL is a meritocracy. You don't get to just play in front of the fans because you want to. It, the, the Raiders made a move. And we, can, we can argue that all day long. And he said he didn't get that opportunity. So it lit a fire. He got mad about it. But, but I, what I don't ever see is the correlation he made in his last statement a couple weeks ago where he said he didn't give the Raiders his best. So I find it curious that he admits, and I gave him credit for that, right? He admitted he didn't play his best. But then he's saying he's mad that he didn't get to play the final two games. I, I have trouble connecting those two, Mo. What do you think? I think this is a matter of the human side mm-hmm. of the situation mixing with reality and not, as you would say, correlating. So mm-hmm. the human side of Derek Carr is upset because, as he said, nine years at the same place, has franchise records. Uh, was well respected in the locker room. Let's be honest, he was respected in that locker room, being the being the longest tenured Raider there, uh, along with I believe Sieg. 
who was replaced also this offseason. <laughs> but um, he was respecting locker room, had the records, had the respect of the, of the loyalty, of, you know, of the eye of the fans and everything. So I understand the feelings of it. He's sure. mad. I mean, anyone would be mad if they spent nine years at a place and all of a sudden a new boss comes in and mm-hmm. kind of boots you out at the mm-hmm. end of your tenure when you know you're probably on the way out anyway. But as you said, it's a meritocracy and it's also a business. So I think it was Matt Fallon made this point on Twitter. The Raiders weren't going to risk putting Derek Carr out there for the last tweets and him getting hurt and then being on the hook for the rest of his contract. Right. That's the point about this whole thing. You could be mad that the Raiders didn't allow Derek Carr to play out those two weeks. That, I understand that's the human part of it. But understand that this is the business. The Raiders weren't going to put themselves in a position where they were going to have to pay Derek Carr no matter what if he got hurt. So from a Raiders perspective, you can be mad about what the Raiders did, but from a race perspective, I understand why they did it. It was a business move. They right. knew they were moving on, and they didn't want to put themselves at financial risk of having to pay him regardless. So that's what they did. So Derek Carr's feelings got hurt. The Raiders made a business decision. That's what happened here. Yeah, absolutely. And and the other thing, too, I want to make a point. I want to give Derek Carr credit, too, because he, he he's such a contradiction at times. He will say things like that that are very emotional based. And to your point, we're all human beings. So we have feelings that happens. You know, people get so caught in feelings today. They tend to be the priority number one, even in a business, which isn't always appropriate in my view. But nonetheless, he said also, if you win more games and you keep being productive, you stay there forever. So there's Derek Carr recognizing. He says, but we didn't win enough games and that stuff kind of happens. Eventually, the last guy in the room is usually going to be out at some point. And that's really what happened. And, And you know what? That's a great take. So you see... He does understand it, and, and clearly okay. he's going to move on and do well in the worst division in football this year and do good. But, uh, you know, then he jokes, survived 20 coaches. Um, and he he did criticize uh, in a nice way um, that that by saying that he's now somewhere where there's a stable organization. And he's right about that. I mean, you can't argue with Derek Carr. He's got plenty of responsibility for Raiders' performance on the field, but the Raiders have been, and fans all know this, Raider Nation tells me it every day on Twitter, it's been a disaster in so many ways, and, and and that has been the inconsistency in the front office and whatnot. Lastly on this was this part that really caught me, and I think really is, back to your point about feelings, and we've talked a lot about the complex emotions that Derek Carr shows and and how that, uh, that a lot of people recognized from the podium over and over again that he's a really sensitive guy, and it's a hard business to be sensitive in. But he he was asked from Anthony, what if the Raiders had changed their heart after after the last two games and actually wanted to keep them and then uh, brought them back? And he said he would not have done it. And the reason, quote, was once they made my wife cry, that was pretty much over. Once they made her cry, that was out. So it's interesting because, yeah, you know, I listen, I've been married 27 years. You, you mess with my wife, you're going to see the worst of me, Right. But in this case, um, it, it, it just perplexed me. And I know a lot of fans out there have been kind of arguing about this online the last few days and saying, well, you know, of course, she's got to move, she's got to move. And then there's other people saying she wasn't crying when she got the paychecks, right? So, so I think those are two oversimplifications on both sides of the equation there. <laughs> but but it, it goes back to your point is it's a tough business, Mo. And, and families are involved here, players, you know, the players that are married or players who have girlfriends or who have kids – it means you're changing zip codes, you're changing schools, you're changing 
lifestyle. You might have lifelong friends that are near you that suddenly now you're across, at least for half the year, you're across country. And so, you know, I, I, the, 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 it made my wife cry thing. I don't know that I would have said that even if it was true, but this is Derek Carr being who he is, isn't it? It is. That's who he is. And that's, I feel like, okay, I'm not saying that he's fabricating the story. She probably did have hard feelings because, <laughs> you know, they were part of that org. They were part of the race sure. organization for so long. So she grew I up get, in it too. Yeah. She, she also was along with him for the ride. So I get her emotions being attached to this. But what I will say is that I, I think he was over it once they decided they were ready to move on. Once they benched him, yeah. he probably felt the emotion of, Wow, I feel betrayed by an organization I gave my blood, sweat, and tears to. And I remember um, people questioning, you know, is he going to play again, including myself? Because remember, he said that if he's not a Raider, he's going to go play golf and retire. Remember that? He did. Oh, many times he said that. Yes. He said, if I'm not playing for the Raiders, I'm going to retire. I'm going to play golf. And I said, and I wrote actually wrote a piece on Sports Night. Is is Carr now going to go play golf? Now that the Raiders (laughs) are clearly going to move on. Yeah. And and I think it was Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated said, no, he's intent on playing, and it came out that he's got a fire lit under him because of the way it ended. So, I, right. of course, I think his wife's emotions played into it, but I think most of it was you were dumped by this organization you gave so much to, and now you want to prove that you are better than what you played or what you've shown over the past nine years with the more stable organization. So I think that's the main factor that's going to be driving him in New Orleans with the Saints. Not his wife, though. I think his wife emotions did play into it. But I will say that was a juicy quote to put in there to say, hey, you mess with my wife. You make my wife cry. <laughs> I'm not coming back regardless yes. of what you got to say. But we all know that as a competitor, as a as a player in the NFL, you are driven by people doubting you, putting you down or right. dumping you because we hear it so many times. A player gets released, a player gets traded, a player gets moved and their motivation is. I'm going to prove the previous team that let me go wrong. And I think that's the driving factor. here. Absolutely. And, and, and that's it. I mean, look, I know a lot of fans are sick of talking about Derek Carr, but he keeps talking about the Raiders. So we're going to talk about it if he talks about the Raiders. Uh, But, but certainly again, just, it was very, it was not at all surprising. It was very Derek Carr ish. I mean, everything he said and how he said it seemed to fit in line with what we've gotten to know uh, over, over the years as a Raider. I, I want to say one thing because I know she watches our show or listens to it just when Wendy. I, I know she's been on social uh, Twitter uh, in a way defending Derek Carr and saying that, you know, he was asked a question by a reporter. So he's answering the question. So I, I get that part of it as a person in the media, as a, as people in the media, we both understand. We ask mm-hmm. questions and players are going to answer. Sometimes they give a cliche answer. Sometimes they give candid answers. So I understand that part of it. This wasn't De- I just want to make it clear. This wasn't Derek Carr calling a press conference to talk about the Raiders. I <laughs> know. I just want to make that clear. Also, right. He didn't, he didn't call Anthony Galvez to say, I, I want to talk about the breakup between me and the Raiders. He was asked this question because, you know, anyone who interviews Derek Carr is going to want to ask about how it ended in his, and his feelings on it. Because if you remember his brother, David said that he was going to have basically a tell all about what yeah. happened. And, and we didn't really get the full scope of how it ended and how Derek Carr felt for a while. Derek Carr kind of went dark where he didn't say much. Right. So I think right now when reporters ask him about how it ended, we're getting bits and pieces of his feelings and how it felt. So I just want to make that clarification that we're not bagging on Derek Carr and saying he's gone out here like a scorn X and, and talking about the Raiders unprompted. 
Uh, these are questions that he's answering. Now, he could say right. no comment or I've moved on. I don't want to talk about it. He could right. do that, too. But and, he's and, choosing to to share his his mindset he, on, the, on the issue. And and anybody. And again, we, we live in a, a time where people see things in social media and they don't even read what they're commenting on. Right. And if you read and I started off this segment or excuse me, this part of the segment talking about this, talking about how he the 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 the. the room in which he spoke he was at a charity event and he was talking mm -hmm. about it so to your point he right. did not bring it up it was asked to him by people who donate to the charity it was, a, it was like right. a round table type thing right a, a town hall whatever right. you want to call it so mm -hmm. so that's a good point to bring up there all right we're going to step aside nice long first segment there wow had so much to talk about with jacobs and car interesting stuff we we had a when we had a grown-up conversation about car see we didn't we didn't see, drag car no we i think this is a very fair Growing up yes. conversation about and and for those of you who want to unsubscribe because we talked about them i don't know what to tell you um but uh, <laughs> we certainly appreciate your past support and hope you come back uh but anyway when we come back mo we're going to get into your column on sports not las vegas raiders three veterans who face the most pressure ahead of 2023 training camp and then we'll start the segment actually our correspondent our former producer now our man on johnny on the spot around Las Vegas is David Sepanian. He went out and spoke with Max Crosby on Tuesday at a Fanatics Merch Madness event, which I'll tell you a little about when we come back. So we're going to hear that when we come back, and then we'll get into Moe's column. You're listening to Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast. Don't go anywhere or we'll find you.